Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, I'll kick off with some news about an Airbus A220 delivery that was notable for a couple of reasons, and Tom will take a look at the Spanish airline with an Airbus obsession. Joe will outline Norwegian Air's founder's plan for the new long-haul low-cost airline, and I'll look at Emirates' freight milestone. Finally, I'll tell you about the baby Boris Force One, which may be soon spotted making flights around Europe. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I'm intrigued to know what's special about this A220 delivery that you're talking about, Joe. Yeah, there's lots of special things. I mean, any <laughs> A220 delivery is always special in my eyes, Tom. But uh... oh, I'd have to agree with you, especially if it's got a lovely green livery on it. <laughs> well, this one didn't. It had a lovely white and blue livery of Delta mm. Airlines. And, uh, you know, there's nothing really notable about Delta taking a new A220. You know, after all, this was the 48th it's taken delivery of. Mm. Um, well, 50 will be notable. It will, it will indeed, but we've still got maybe a couple more weeks to wait for that. Mm. But did you know that this particular A220 was the first one ever built in the United States? Well, I mean, I did, but that's because we discussed this previously. But otherwise, no, I wouldn't Stop have. Stop cheating, Tom. <laughs> so this aircraft is registered N301DU, and it was the first ever A220 to begin assembly at Airbus's new plant in Alabama. Um, mm. And of course, plenty of aircraft have already been delivered from Mobile. Um, and in fact, this is the eighth one off the production line to actually arrive with an aircraft. So most of those have gone to Delta, of course. One's gone to JetBlue. So how could this be the first that was being assembled? Mm. Well, if you follow Simple Flying, and I know you all do, you <laughs> might remember that back in September 2019, Airbus had a bit of a disaster with its shiny new facility. Um, so a fire su- suppression system was activated in its hangar. Um, and although they didn't find any fire, there was significant damage to aircraft that were undergoing assembly there. Um, this fire retardant foam had been sprayed all over the facility, including all over the aircraft that were in there, which mm. included this A220. Um, and at the time, we weren't sure that Delta was going to take it at all. You know, it may well have impacted, you know, sensitive equipment or yeah, whatever. Could have been a write-off. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it looks like they've managed to save it. There was probably quite a bit of work involved to sort it out because last week's handover was six months later than it was expected. But mm. for me, it was really good to see that it happened. And I know a lot of people had been asking on the forums, where was this Airbus and, and was it ever coming? Um, so it was a bit of a milestone for mobile and it was a bit of a milestone for Airbus as well because it was actually the 150th A220 ever produced. Okay. Um, you know, Delta remains their largest customer. They're expecting a further 47. So I should expect we'll get to that magic half a century pretty soon, Tom. Mm. And uh, yeah, we'll be no doubt covering that on a future podcast. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so that was my interesting A220 delivery um, from one Airbus-obsessed airline to another. What's going on at Iberia? Yeah, so I wanted to start by talking about a Spanish airline and its Airbus obsession. And I mean, you can guess that I'm talking about Iberia, as Joe's just given away. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm taking a break from British Airways this week, but I'm not stepping too far. <laughs> You're still in the IAG Yeah, I'm staying in my IAG bubble. Um, (laughs) So Thursday actually marked exactly 40 years since the Spanish flag carrier's first Airbus A300 arrived in Madrid. And following this, the rest is history, as they say. 
So the Iberia-Airbus relationship started way back in 1981. On March 18th, the Spanish flag carrier christened its first Airbus A300. Um, and so this aircraft was named Doniana, and it was registered as Echo Charlie Delta Lima, Lima Echo. So according to Planespotters.net, the aircraft took its first flight on January 13th of that year, um, but it was only um, delivered to the airline on January 27th. Um, so it's kind of there's a bit of a weird sort of where are all these dates popping in because um, <laughs> where obviously <was> it? <laughs> yeah um, and then it didn't take its first flight until March 29th so uh, okay. that was to Paris so it was like coming from France to go back to France um, but you know this this A300 Doniana it only flew for Iberia for just 12 years before it was withdrawn from service in January 1993. And at the age of 19, the aircraft ended up getting scrapped in Madrid in the year 2000. So in total, uh, Iberia operated nine A300s, and eight of these it were it owned. And the last one was leased from an airline called Trans Air International Airlines. Very exciting stuff. Um, oh, yeah, gripping. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it is. So, it's, it's history, and it is interesting. I mean, I love hearing hmm. about the A300. It was such a cool aircraft. Well, I mean, it, we had a great picture of it from Iberia, which I really liked. But um, nice. anyway, let's talk about the sort of obsession side of this. So in the years since, Iberia has tried on most of the models at the Airbus store. <laughs> which one fits it best? Well, uh, does, does its bum look big in the A340? <laughs> well, who knows? Uh, not anymore. Um, <laughs> the only planes it hasn't flown are the A220, the A310, the A319neo, and the A321neo, and of course, the mighty Airbus A380. A380. Yeah. I couldn't not mention her in a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> She'd have looked so cute in Iberia livery, right? I think so. I think BA should like repaint one like a special half livery, like the Singapore Airlines Concorde, just to recognise IAG. Definitely. If definitely. you're listening, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe one in uh, Aer Lingus Green as well. That would oh, be pretty cool. <laughs> yes, um, that would be amazing. Um, but anyway, so Iberia's previously operated Boeing and McDonnell Douglas aircraft before, and it's had almost 400 aircraft in its fleet at some point, according to Planespotters.net. However, today the airline only operates Airbus aircraft, and it's got 69 current aircraft. So... The airline retired its remaining Airbus A340, uh, A340 aircraft even um, <laughs> due to the pandemic. So its average fleet age now sits at under 10 years old, would you believe? Oh, that's pretty good. For a um, legacy airline, that's quite I young. Um, so moving, moving forward into the future, the airline's maintaining its all Airbus philosophy. And um, it's currently taking delivery of A320neos and A350 aircraft. But in the future, it's also going to be the launch customer for the hotly awaited A321XLR. Um, so I know, I'm excited for that one. Yeah. The aircraft should start being delivered in 2023, but, you know, like these things always seem to, to be a bit a fluid. Bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And it will be the first narrow body that can fly beyond the east coast of North America for Iberia. So wow. we're going to see it on some new transatlantic destinations while also increasing frequencies, which I think is exciting. But then, of course, there's also the possibility of the 737 MAX somewhere down the timeline, because obviously IAG has that big memorandum of understanding in for yeah. 200 of the planes. But who knows if that will ever Come extend to beyond reality. an MOU. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, it would be interesting. But mm. so has Iberia ever flown a Boeing plane? Um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've flown uh, quite a few Boeing planes. Um, okay. Just not but now. Very not Airbus heavy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, currently it's just Airbus. Cool. Okay. Well, I wanted to talk about a new startup airline idea that is going to use Boeing planes, not Airbus planes. Um, <laughs> so while we're all lamenting the loss of low-cost transatlantic trips on um, the lovely Norwegian air, um, Norwegian's original founder, or one of them, is eyeing a new airline startup. So um, he's back. He is back. Um, but not with is... We Are Back. <laughs> no, not that not that airline thing. That I, I don't know if anything's happening with that. Anyway, Bjorn Kios, Kios, how do you say that? <laughs> do not ask me. You know what I'm like. <laughs> so this is Bjorn One. There's three Bjorns involved in this story. This is Bjorn One. Um, he's eyeing a new startup called North Atlantic Airways. Um, hmm. And in essence, on paper, it sounds an awful lot like Norwegian. <laughs> he's planning to, planning to fly from Europe to the Americas using Boeing 7 seven dreamliners with bases mm. at london gatwick paris charles de gaulle and possibly also oslo and stockholm so where have i heard this before <laughs> <laughs> exactly um yeah so as i said he plans to start up as soon as later this year and he's actually got a big investor on on board called bjorn tor larsen so this is bjorn two um bjorn two thinks that this is actually a really good time to start a new airline um you know because of the cheaper leasing costs and the exit of some of the old fleet and a lot of the legacy airlines being unwilling to restart routes. He thinks there's a really massive opportunity here. Um, clearly he does because I feel like he's funding all of this um, Bjorn One's idea. Um, also on the team is Bjorn H. Keith. This is Bjorn 3. Um, he was also a founder at Norwegian. So there's some pretty good aviation experience here. And I think the big difference is they're looking to build low-cost long-haul from the ground up rather than trying to add it onto an airline that's essentially always been a short-haul airline. So it's, it is a bit different. It's kind of the same but different. Um, but will it succeed? Uh, our new route analyst, James Pearson, who works mm -hmm. for Simple Flying, has had a look um, and he thinks it's not too bad, actually. So okay. Norwegian had something like 6.6 .6 million long-haul seats in 2019, which was double that of just two years previous. So the market was really hot. Um, yeah. And in fact, Norwegian was the fifth largest carrier flying between Europe and North America. Um, okay. And over 40 airports were involved in, I think, 74 long-haul routes for its operation. And Gatwick was by far its top with over one in over four in 10 such seats, for example. New York JFK, followed by Los Angeles, Paris Charles de Gaulle, they all had over 1 million seats each. So mm. it's hardly a surprise that these are the airports that North Atlantic is singling out for its launch of operations. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some advantages to building it from the ground up. You know, they, they can choose planes with a higher seating density. They can offer lower salaries to their crews rather than inheriting crews and having to abide by the the kind of unionized agreements that have been in place for years. Um, you know, they can turn catering and baggage into revenue streams much more easily. And, you know, they can cut costs elsewhere, such as ground handling, marketing, um, the way they administer the airline. There's lots of savings to be made by kind of building it as a low cost, long haul from the start. However, <laughs> there's some huge drawbacks that I really don't think are ever going to be broke. I mean, you know, you, you heard Michael O'Leary last year said mm. long haul, low cost never works. It never will work. It never has worked. It's broken so many airlines. Um, yeah. I mean, there's always, everyone's always like, oh, is he going to go to America? Is he going to go to America? I don't think. 
We'll ever see I don't that. think Ryanair will ever know. They know that it could kill them, um, you know, because the, the whole essence of a low-cost airline is not giving any extras for free, you mm. know, maximum daily utilisation, making people, their crew work as hard and as fast as they can, um, you know, and on a long-haul trip, this is impossible. You know, you need to feed your guests, even yeah. if you, you want to make them pay for it. You know, that's still another layer of complexity. You've also and got the... I was chatting to somebody about this the other day. You've also got the whole... Um thing with long haul that you've got to let your staff do layovers at the destination then you've yeah. got to pay for hotels for them it's exactly. not cheap exactly and you know you can't increase that utilization you, you can only fly two sectors a day with each aircraft hmm. because of the length of the trip so um you know the long haul the uh, legacy carriers get over this by having their premium cabins which helps offset the lower yielding passengers in economy but if you are a long haul low cost airline you're not going to have that premium traffic to balance the costs so who knows who knows but yeah. nevertheless the founders are kind of serious about going for it because they've already begun hiring cabin crew mm. um so they've advertised on a, a crew re uh, recruitment site for crew trained on the boeing 787 and uh, they're saying that the start date for flights are the fall 2021 um and from what i heard they want experienced crew and are actually giving priority to ex-norwegian crew so yeah. you know if it does get off the ground this could be a real lifeline for those uh, those furloughed and redundant mm. crew from norwegian so you know best of luck to them really I i'd love to fly across the, the atlantic a bit more often for affordable prices so yeah. yeah well i mean i never got to do it with norwegian so i'd love to give north atlantic a try Definitely. We'll be keeping an eye on them for sure. <laughs> mm. the, the only question is, will you be able to get down to the penguins in Argentina from uh, Svalbard or wherever it was? <laughs> that would have been an awesome flight, but uh, mm. we'll have to see if they take up the mantle for that one. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, watch this space and all. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I wanted to talk about the really big news this week, and that's that the pandemic is essentially a year old now. Um Sadly. <laughs> Yay. And, Happy anniversary, well, COVID. Yeah. Um, but that also means that it's a year since the global travel market collapsed at the hands of COVID. And last week, this led to a milestone for Dubai's major carrier, Emirates. Mm -hmm. So the airline's Sky, division, uh, Sky Cargo Division celebrated one year of operating praters. And that's our lovely term that was coined by the Lufthansa CEO for passenger jets operating freight flights. <laughs> Fleet frights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the other the other way to put it is passenger to cargo conversions, but it's not yeah. as catchy. Although no, I, we do I, get pulled up every time we say freight uh, preter, saying, "Oh, yeah. you spelt that wrong." Simple flying, it's freighter. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I first heard it, I I hated it with a passion. I could not get on board, but you know, now it's just become part of my vocabulary. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, just the so, same as things like lockdown and furlough have this last yeah. year, <laughs> and coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the Prater movement was kicked off for Emirates by flight EK2503 to Kuwait on March 16th, 2020. So despite being de uh, designed for passengers, the aircraft seats were essentially empty except for members of the crew. However, the story below deck was very different. So the flight was operated uh, by Alpha 6 Echo Papa Alpha, and that's a six-year-old 777-300ER delivered to the Dubai-based giant in August 2015. And according to data from that's according to data from Planespotters.net. 
So in the aircraft's hold were 34 tons of cargo urgently required by nearby Kuwait. With the UAE's borders closing to passengers just days later, cargo became a huge focus for the airline. As things would turn out, uh, it would be the first of many such flights. In the past year, Emirates has... I'm going to let you guess now. How many flights do you reckon Emirates has operated in the past year that only have cargo inside? Mm, I don't know. Maybe like 100 a week. So maybe... I don't know. Is that overestimating? I'm very confused. I'm really bad with estimating numbers and and sizes and things. I'll go for for 2,000. Okay, so it's actually 27,800 cargo-only flights. Oh, <laughs> by an order of magnitude out. <laughs> yeah, um, a couple of A380s were even drafted into the cause at one point, so there's my other A380 name drop. Um, <laughs> nice. And among the cargo that has been carried on these flights are 100,000 tonnes worth of essential uh, medical and food supplies, and this alone would fill the airline's 777 freighters a thousand wow. times. Oh, um, wow. But more, more, more recently, you know, the flights have been distributing the COVID nineteen vaccine as well in partnership with UNICEF. So it's, it, it's, 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 it's good um, that they're operating these flights. Yeah. Um, but you know what I found interesting was commenting on the Prater operations. The uh, Nabil Sultan, who is the airline's divisional senior vice president for cargo, said that the airline could foresee a future where there would no longer be adequate cargo capacity. So in order to bolster the cargo capacity operated by our 11 Boeing uh, 777 freighters, we proactively made a radical and innovative plan to utilize our wide-body passenger aircraft to operate cargo-only flights. Cool. like we're saying, while the majority of such operations have been completed by the smaller 777s, the A380 was included, and currently there's 16 777s that have had their seats removed to bolster their capacity. Cool. So all they, in all, pretty I fun. want to see them putting the seats back now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Passenger flights well, restarting, please. <laughs> I know they said before that they're keen on um, having the entire fleet, I think, going by the end of the year. Including cool. the A380s. Ooh, that's a a, a tough goal. <laughs> but yeah, yeah good luck to them. But good Ambitious, luck. yeah, but good luck to them, definitely. And mm. of course, if our listeners want to hear more from Emirates, and in particular the President Sir Tim Clark, um, we will be having our first ever webinar, uh, which will feature himself with John Grant, partner at Avia Dev Consult, on the 7th of April at 1pm UTC. So uh, head on over to simpleflying.com and you will see all the details published on our homepage. Well, I'll be there. I know you will. It's your job. <laughs> well, in the meantime, while we're talking about these lovely A380s flying cargo around the world, let's tell me about something a bit smaller, Joe. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you may remember um, a few months ago, um, I think it was like September last year, mm. um, the UK revealed a rather eye-catching makeover for its um, VIP transport. Um, The the RAF Voyager, which is an A330-based military multi-role air tanker thingy. Does everything uh, thing, basically. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's always been used to ferry around VIPs, but they decided that it was kind of boring in its grey coat that all RAF aircraft have. And we were kind of jealous of the nice planes that uh, the US and Germany flies around. So, uh, so yeah, we gave it a makeover and it was rather contentious because it cost the UK a million pounds or something like that. And, of course, all the tabloids jumped all over that because we were in Mm. the middle of COVID and... But I mean, 
turn it, in the economy. But It uh, included like a decent amount of maintenance as well, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It yeah. was one of those things that would have needed doing either way. It was just maybe yeah. a very little bit more because of the unique paint job. Anyway, very Austin Powers, very British, nice big flag on the tail, gold lettering down the side. You know, it's all beautiful. Mm. Now we've seen images emerging of a baby one. <laughs> it's so <Aww>. cute. <laughs> so there's an A321LR, um, which has been in Norwich and is now sitting around at London Stansted Airport, um, which has been painted in the exact same livery as nice. RAF Voyager. Um, and this little aircraft, it's registered GXATW and it's owned and operated by Titan Airways. And you may mm. have heard us talking about these guys before. They're a, a British wet lease and charter company based out of Stansted. Um, and they do all sorts of interesting things like flying to St. Helena in normal times. Um, so, and yeah, we quite often talk about them. A318 from British Airways. They have indeed. And they took the first um, A3, uh, A321 um, freighter recently okay. as well, the first cargo conversion. So, uh, nice. so yeah, they were um, they got delivery of this A321 Neo LR um, back last October. And it's the first of two to arrive with the carrier because it's looking to replace its aging 757s with these more efficient jets. Hmm. Um, and since it was delivered, it's really just been sitting around at London Stansted until November. And towards the end of November, it flew out to Bordeaux. Um, I had a bit of a snoop around and Bordeaux is home to Sabina Technics, which is a, a company that has a contract with Airbus um, to paint A320 family aircraft. So I'm pretty sure okay. it went off there to get its new coat of paint and its very patriotic tail. Um, and now it's come back to the UK. It arrived in Norwich late on March the 8th. Um, Norwich is still a really important airport for the RAF. They've got old um, post-World War hangars there that are still mm. used for maintenance to this day. So I don't know, maybe it was getting some upgrades or some avionics from uh, from the RAF there. And, and then on Friday last week, it headed to Titan's home at London Stansted. Um, so we think that this is going to be a replacement for the UK's current short-haul VIP transports. So as much as the A330-based RAF Voyager is going to be amazing for long-haul and big mm. trips, it would be completely unethical to be flying it over to, like, I don't know, well, Berlin for a meeting or something. I, I, I feel like the only trip that it's actually done so far is to Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it really should be kept, you know, for the more long-haul operations or operations where you need an awful lot of people on the plane at once. Mm. Um, and actually, the UK currently uses two VIP configured BAE 146s to do their kind of short haul, small oh, wow. trips. Um, so they go across to, you know, Paris and places like that for little meetings. Yeah. Um, but they're very, very old, these little planes. They're really cute. You know, I put a picture in they're the They're the article. ones with the, um, the four engines under the wing, aren't they? Or is that that's something right. else? Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, they're like little baby quad jets. They're very mm. cute. Um, so... Uh, the RAF or the government rather was asked um, the, towards the end of last year if these were going to be replaced. Um, mm. they're, they're like 36 years old, so they're properly old aircraft. And James Heppy, who's the Parliamentary Under Secretary of State for Defence Procure Procurement, said that they would be retired by the end of March 2022. And at okay. the time, there was rumour that it was going to be Global 5000s or something similar that would replace them, but mm. apparently not. <laughs> and it looks like possibly the time 
timelines also shifted because the the A321 looks good to go and yeah. uh, it's listed as incoming to the RAF. So I'm pretty sure they're going to be starting to use it a lot sooner than March 2022, you know, possibly even April 2021. <laughs> mm. But uh, yeah, so almost as interesting about where this plane is not only where it's going, but also where it hasn't gone. Because when this was delivered, it was sporting a really cool looking all black livery. It was yeah. very, very stealth, very shiny. Um, and it was listed as going to a company called TCS World Travel. Now, um, TCS is the company that operates private jet tours on behalf of Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you may remember we've talked about, I don't know if we've talked about them on the podcast before, but we've certainly written about them. They do these ultra luxury sort of multi-stop tours around the world for very rich people Um, you know and you can pay like $170,000 $200,000 per person to go on these holidays Um, but clearly this isn't the plane that's going to Four Seasons right now Uh, it still has its private jet tours for sale they're still advertised as using an A321LR Um, Mm. but there is a second A321LR incoming from Airbus so I'm presuming that that's the one that will go their way Um, and maybe you know it's just the time scales meant that this one was more suited to the the RAF but uh, do check out the picture because it's it's very cool it's like a little mini Voyager and I'd love to see them park next to each other (laughs) yeah well I mean they should send them to Frankfurt if anyone's listening (laughs) as I (laughs) say every time yeah everybody's got to go to Frankfurt so Tom can see them (laughs) or because I'm not at Stansted anymore and it's really sad (laughs) well anyway we hope you enjoyed today's podcast i think we'll probably have to leave it there for now but as usual please do send your feedback to podcast at simpleflying.com for more great content you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for simple flying if you enjoyed our podcast please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player thanks for listening bye